Market interest rates are sharply lower this morning and stocks are rallying after the Fed pivoted to projecting interest rate cuts next year. And in our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ's head of Asia Research, Kun Go, explains how Vietnam is benefiting from the strategic competition between China and the United States through friendshoring. The U.S. and Vietnam has just signed a comprehensive strategic partnership earlier this year, which uh, would put Vietnam in good stead, particularly with U.S. Uh, multinational companies looking to establish presence and production facilities in Southeast Asia. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, bond and stock markets globally have rallied sharply over the last 24 hours after the US Federal Reserve confirmed in its dot plot of projections that the Fed funds rate is expected to be cut next year by around about 75 basis points. That confirmed the market's views of a soft landing, and then some. So the 10-year Treasury yield fell 13 basis points to, wait for it, 3.90%. The two-year fell 14 basis points to 4.33%. That, of course, drove the US dollar sharply lower. As of 5am Sydney Melbourne time, the Aussie dollar is up at 67.19 US cents and the Kiwi is at 62.26 cents. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq are up about half a percent in late US trade. Gold jumped back to near its record highs on these lower US Treasury yields. It's up 2.7% overnight to $2,051.70 US an ounce. Oil is up sharply too. West Texas up 4% to $72.31 a barrel US. ANZ's head of G3 Economics, Brian Martin, says the market may have jumped even further ahead of the Fed. So the market is thinking the Fed will get underway in March, cut by 25 basis points. There may be pause and then cut again, and that's going to be a very slow and staggered uh, rate cutting profile, which really isn't in keeping with how the Fed normally move uh, when they start uh, to cut interest rates. I think um, what we're going to have to watch now is the data. I never like to say the market's wrong. The market reflects so many various different opinions, and in many ways is the equilibrium between different views and must be respected. But I look at at current market pricing, I just think things have got a bit too buoyant too early. But we're going to have to watch the pace of the data over the next few months. If, if it really weakens, then a March rate cut could be on. But what I'm seeing at the moment in trends in payrolls and trends in inflation, trends in consumer demand, all those types of things, I think March is just too early for them. Number two. Also overnight, the European Central Bank made its last decision of the year to hold, and the contrast with the Fed couldn't have been starker, as I discussed with Brian in London this morning. So there's a a divergence there between the United States, where they still have 4% core inflation, who are talking about rate cuts, and the ECB, who are arguably already in deflationary territory, not talking about rate cuts. What's going on there? Absolutely. And uh, that is a bit of a conundrum to have to work out. I think the FOMC sat down for the two-day meeting. They provided their economic forecasts and they had a very thorough discussion on what they think the path of monetary policy in 2024 is going to be, which, going into the meeting, the market was expecting rate cuts. And Powell just confirmed, yes, we did discuss that. By contrast, it is a bit surprising that the ECB didn't discuss interest rate uh, cuts uh, because of the very, very weak inflation environment. 
I think, though, that as we get into 2024, that's certainly going to be something uh, that the ECB are going to have to address and address early on. Number three. Now, back in Australia, ANZ Australia senior economist Catherine Birch reports the labour market was remarkably robust in November with 62,000 new jobs, although hours worked were flat. We don't think that the RBA is really going to change its view on the back of this data. It is a little bit of a mixed bag, but we continue to see the cash rate on hold at its current 4.35% until late 2024. But some of the still ongoing momentum that we're seeing in some parts of the labour market really supports our view that the RBA will be on hold for quite a while. Cuts are a while off yet. Number four, New Zealand's GDP contracted unexpectedly in the September quarter by 0.3% and previous quarters were revised lower. ANZ New Zealand Chief Economist Sharon Zollner says the data raises the hurdle significantly for the RBNZ to hike again in late February. In November, the Reserve Bank thought that the strong GDP data in the second quarter was largely a story of resilient demand. That wasn't actually how we had seen it. We'd seen it more as a story of, of recovery from cyclone event effects the previous quarter, for example. Uh, but that quarter was revised down a lot, uh, from 0.9 to 0.5, in fact. And, and so the, the whole momentum in the economy is looking weaker, and that was quite a concern of the Reserve Bank, that essentially they hadn't quite gotten the traction on the economy that they had been expecting by now. This new data suggests, in fact, they are getting that traction. Uh, and so in that light, it has to logically uh, reduce the odds of another hike. Number five. And lastly overnight, ANZ economist Debali Kasaka reports the Banco Central in Filipinas held its policy rate at 6.5% overnight and maintained its hawkish bias. That was expected. Debalika believes the central bank's hiking cycle has come to an end, but the bank remains on guard against inflation and a cut in 2024 is unlikely. Now, in part two of our bonus deep dive interview, ANZ's Kun Go explains how Vietnam is benefiting from friendshoring and offshoring in an era of competition between China and the United States. The structure of Vietnam's economy is very much tilted towards uh, foreign firms, uh, which has been able to move Vietnam up the income stage so far. But too much reliance on foreign capital also poses risks if the domestic capital doesn't start to uh, benefit from that. Uh, So this is definitely an area where domestic firms getting involved in the global supply chain will be important to spread up the uh, overall Uh, source of growth. So we see an area for infrastructure spending by government to continue to expand and make uh, Vietnam more more productive uh, through increased infrastructure spending, which hopefully will also help to crowd in private sector investment as well. And how important is the friend-shoring and offshoring story in the growth of Vietnam being a place where globalised companies can put investment to get some of the China-like benefits without some of the complications? Well, prior to uh, the escalation of US-China tensions, Vietnam had already been successful in attracting FDI because of, back then, its um, ample labor force, its uh, relatively competitive uh, wage structure. And at that time, Vietnam had been uh, hugely promoting free trade by signing a lot of free trade agreements. 
Uh, but as its uh, population starts to age, as it enters the late demographic dividend stage, and as its uh, wages start to increase, um, the focus now on French shoring, I think, will benefit Vietnam because the US and Vietnam has just signed a comprehensive strategic partnership earlier this year, which uh, would put Vietnam in good stead, particularly with US uh, multinational companies looking to establish presence and production facilities in Southeast Asia. Uh, so I think Vietnam will set to benefit from uh, these uh, the ongoing tensions between the US and China and should continue to attract more than its fair share of uh, foreign capital that's uh, coming to this region. And the story of urbanisation is, is one that often drives some of the growth in a developing economy. What's the story with urbanisation in Vietnam and its ability to grow the population and the productivity by growing its biggest cities? Uh, urbanisation has increased in Vietnam, but it's still fairly low compared to you know, some of the other uh, higher income uh, countries. Uh, in terms of the urbanization rate, it continues up that path and uh, further infrastructure investment uh, and to continue to grow and have greater population in urban centers is definitely another factor that can help boost uh, productivity. ANZ Kun go there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, December the 15th. Look out next week for three special episodes to finish the year including our 100th on Monday, and special reviews and previews for 2023 and 2024. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.